everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. I do... It's always good. This is, this is the thesis part of the podcast. <clears throat> I do believe there is a proper time and place for servitude. Now, maybe that's all the time and in all places. I believe the biblical message would support that. I know my best example or the best example of what I am called to be in Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, the prophecy of the suffering servant, the New Testament Gospels, even so in continuation of that notion, the book of Acts all the way through to the book of Revelation is a study of not service to self, but service to God and others. And in that, being a servant can't be bad. And at the same time... (laughs) Even should I speak to those things, I also am left to having to acknowledge that most of us don't like to do that. (laughs) Most of us want to be masters. Most of us want to tell others what to do. I also believe that's inescapable. That there's a part of life as much as Maybe being a servant is an all-time, every situation, circumstance, sort of either thing, action, deed, as with the word, mindset, paradigm. There are also, though, many who would want to be the opposite and in that way would not receive the word, not experience the salvation that servitude brings you uh, to set you free from the bondage of what then on the other side is that all of us want to rule the world. (laughs) We want to be masters. It's probably inextricable. (laughs) You can't separate it from our human dimension, our flesh dimension. It is part of Development, normal course of human development to gain agency, independence, autonomy, mastery. Mastery of what? Uh, This thing that God has given us in human form to the greatest ability or extent we could possess it, our bodies, physically and psychologically. But that's where it ends. (laughs) Should end. It doesn't end there, but that's where it should end. But continuing that then, many people take that as license to then rule the world. To go out and tell everybody else what to do, when to do it. It's the source of wars. (laughs) And on a lesser, probably no lesser significant, but hopefully in terms of uh, 
numbers of those that are involved damage uh, I think is as bad on an individual basis as it is uh, in some sort of war, cultural, societal, country-to-country sort of terms. But it's a source of most of the conflicts in this world, whether it be in larger scale <laughs> kind of world wars or whether it would be a lesser scale, but again, once more, no less significant, interpersonal. It could be neighbors, it could be family members. But everybody at some level, I suppose the thesis would go, is prone to wanting to control things. It's survival, it's promotion, it's resource, use of resource to one's advantage, and it's selfish. But being a servant really is the opposite. It is then in salvation, freely you've received, freely give, once having accepted that gift of who you are to not selfishly keep it only for self-service, self-ingratiation, self-gratitude, self-appreciation, self, self-selfishness, self. You're to give it away. Is it wrong then to want to possess your body and is it wrong to want to claim your place in the world is it wrong to navigate and negotiate again just where you belong in this world and is that a one-time thing is it an ongoing I think it's probably always ongoing but it seems there has to be some point where you concede you can't rule the world and not only can't you numbers it's not right And in that way, we're not only all servants, but this notion of slavery and masters, and that's usually what goes with masters, is slavery. I think that if you see it as slavery, (laughs) then you're probably not seeing it in a godlike way, a mind of God, mind of Christ way, a word, gospel of Jesus Christ, testimony, example of servitude where you're probably still on the wrong side of that point of demarcation. You're still probably not only seeing it as slavery, possibly why you yourself would not want to be such then a servant because you're mistaking that for a slave. And therein, who wants to be a slave? I don't, but... I do want to be a master. <laughs> I want to, I prefer to. I want to tell people what to do. Now, that's not my personal opinion, but if you're thinking in those terms, if you're still seeing the world in those terms of slavery rather than servitude or from that reference point, then you're probably going to aspire to control things. Otherwise, you're going to be then subject to somebody else controlling things. And legitimately so, there are individuals who really are not good themselves in being servants and thus they are really not good masters and that's where slavery I think comes in 
I would never want to treat somebody that way because I would never want to be treated that way. But because I never wanted to be treated that way or would want to be treated that way, it inspires me not to treat others that way. But in a material carnal reference or from a material carnal reference, worldly reference, there's always going to be masters and slaves for some. But there'll be for others, those who have come to Jesus Christ, those who have received the word, understood and understand the principle of servitude, not only salvation, but being a servant, especially to the highest order of master, and that's God, is not a bad thing. Philemon, Philemon, I was going to say chapter one. There's only one book, one chapter in the book of Philemon. Wherefore, though, starting with verse eight, I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one and one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Philemon, (laughs) the apostle Paul, (laughs) Philemon 1, but there is only one chapter in the book of Philemon, and primary characters, not only Philemon, the Apostle Paul, but Onesimus. Now, <laughs> Onesimus in Greek is translate useful, purposeful, profitable, beneficial. Onesimus was a name that was given in generic terms to slaves. Not all slaves were called Onesimus, but I suppose, depending on the type of master you were, you might care what someone's identity is, their personality might be, and would then want to know, even as they were slaves, and get to know them in those dimensions. But, Probably most masters who called their slaves Onesimus or did not know them in any other way wasn't really interested in the slave as a person, was interested mostly in their utility, their usefulness, their profitability. And I don't know that Philemon was such a master, although he owned a slave. I know that's not popular in today's culture and maybe for most part the reason reasons I gave heretofore on today's podcast but I am not entirely sure that that's changed much 
in the sense that this is why most people see the term slave and slavery as awful and horrible. I would love to dispense with it. I think we need to get rid of slaves. I think we should move to a point where we abolish truly slavery. But to do that, if I'm doing myself a well enough job of presenting, again, the thesis, the thought, I have to stop seeing people as objects for my personal gain or profitability. I can change the name. I can say that's one of those words we need to remove from the English language. I can certainly politically preach a good sermon about the abolishment of slavery. I think we've done that as a culture. And I think most of us, once again, would not only see slavery as a horrible institution, but that we it's time that we start to live up to what we're preaching, practice what we preach, put it into action. But the problem gets back to this notion of not Onesimus, even slavery, per se, It's the attitude we have toward one another. And more importantly, because he is more important, God. I'm not sure that God sees us as slaves. I believe many people see God as the type of master that would have no regard, if they see God at all, acknowledge the existence of God at all, Or they see individuals as who would then talk such talk as we are on the podcast today, as I am on the podcast today, practicing these theses, these theories. They're all mind of God, mind of Christ, principles, premises. But they would just see it as that, a thesis or a theory. And even so, I might be given that credibility, extended that, that I'm still kind of trying to figure out, is this thesis theory really factually true? Or a truth that we garner from the facts of our existence? Uh, Some would even say that I just use that as a way of justifying continuing to own slaves or put people in positions of slavery. But I'd like to say I don't. Maybe I'm guilty of that. I'm sure that in my human nature, I always want to be told, if ever, what to do. Especially by someone that I don't deem to be credible enough or respectful enough. I don't have respect for them. They don't show themselves respectful enough for me to do what they say. I always question things. I don't know that that's wrong, but I do recognize I can't do anything I want anytime I want or all the time because it's not going to work. If I'm doing that and you're doing that, we can't run the risk of not being able to, can't do things together. And should we be able to even then have similar interests and upbringing and cultures and paradigms of the world and 
theories and thesis and ways we've come to look at things, ways we've been taught to, to look at things, there's still got to be plenty of room for conflict. <laughs> the kind of war stuff that I also mentioned earlier on in the podcast. It's impossible. So, though I might be a bit guilty of that, I've learned to bring my member, my body, as a member, my members, the things that make up my body, mind included, psychology included, emotions included, all the bodily parts and functions that go along with that, into a state of submission, not to any one person necessarily, not that there won't be still some disagreements. Not that I might still not have to do what they say simply because that is the natural order of things. <laughs> natural selection, science has come to dictate that survival in a naturalistic way is about just that dominance. <laughs> You're going to have control of things. Something is going to, if it's an animal, then there's going to be those that are at the top of the list. <laughs> They're the ones that are stronger, smarter, more adaptive. They're the ones that predatory <laughs> in the whole Darwinian sort of context of things, survival of the fittest, the ones who really are going to be at the top of the hierarchy when it comes to predatory animals. And humans are animals. And it's always going to be a part of the natural existence. Unless we come to a higher awareness, I think it requires that, which is the purpose of the podcast, insights that we can then possibly avoid that, or at least the trap that that sets up. Because though masters and slaves are not like lions and lambs, the lamb can be the lion, as the Bible would say, if it all begins with servitude, if it all begins with overcoming, taking possession of that instinctual element of our common sort of connection with, in only material ways, the animal world, we can override that and find that in our ability to adapt, to serve others, not only can we have a peaceful existence, but the lion that emerges is a power and strength not only to control my physical inclinations, but as we've been trying to set up, or I've been trying to set up, it's more my even so, more my psychological desire to control the world, to be master of the universe, which is why probably there's so many people that like all of those sci-fi comic book characters. That's all they are, comics. Fiction. But we like that. We want to dominate. We want to control. We want to have superpower. We want to be super in that superhuman dimension so that we can control everything. That's not going to work. 
But if we do get the message of the lamb and the lion as the Bible would present it, as Jesus would example it, it's the thought that I could then lay down my life. I could lay down my will to be master of the universe for someone else. But if they're doing the same thing, then we achieve the same result. Because they're going to be looking after me like I'm looking after them. And we may trip, like Chip and Dale, we may trip over each other. No, you go first. No, you go first. That doesn't always work. But common sense would tell us we're probably not going to end up with wars and fights. And if you don't see people as objects, if you see them as you see yourself from a personal dimension, if you love them as you love yourself, and how do you love yourself? As loving God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit. You have to accept that God doesn't see you as a master. You're not supposed to see the world as a master. You're not supposed to then look at it in animalistic terms. You're not supposed to frame it as survival of the fittest. You're not supposed to then in Darwinian, in scientific, survival of the fittest sort of terms, evolutionary sort of terms, desire to be on (laughs) the highest of levels of that hierarchy of, well, the only way to do that is just to control everything. You have to begin with the Isaiah 53, suffering servant dimension. You have to be willing to see it as an act of service rather than servant, or servant rather than slave. And you're only going to do that when you can see it the way that I'm trying to present it on the podcast today, but the Bible presents it. It doesn't just appeal to your mind, but your mind has to change, be shifted, the paradigm, or you're not going to find the true power that that allegory of being a lion, Jesus being the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is going to capture It's not by power and might, but by the Holy Spirit. As God might have said it through the word, my spirit, thus saith the Lord. But if that is the mind of God, and that should then be the mind of Christ, and because we are Christian, and we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and therein reclaim the inheritance that was attempted, that the Satan, the devil, Lucifer, attempted to steal from us, we can take that back. Though we are in bondage in this way, we're servants unto God, but God doesn't treat us as servants. God treats us as a person, but more than just a person, He treats us as an equal. But to get us to that place, we have to go into bondage. We have to show the same attitude. Jesus, once God gave his son, sent his son to save us, had to then take on flesh to affect that, but then was subject to the same dimensions of flesh. And it's this master-slave principle... (laughs) that we don't like, it's not the good one, that 
put him on a cross and crucified him. Because it was deemed weakness and was seen as, unfortunately, as the culture he was delivered unto, his people, the Hebrew people of his day and time, of his physical existence in this world, they were slaves. They were not free. They were set free by God by putting evil into its own place of submission, which evil is always in submission to God. But evil has to kill itself because God is not about killing things. God is about life. God is not about death. Should there be a death, it is self-inflicted. But he did deliver the Hebrew people from bondage and For a brief moment in time, they had the promised land set before them, not that they were delivered so that they might dominate, which was and is and continues to be the problem and why Jesus had to come. They still had not gotten to the place of receiving that message that once more we're trying to bring on the podcast today. But they had to begin to see it. This was not so that I could dominate. This was so I could get to a place as God doesn't dominate. As with that human sort of conceptualization of taking advantage of me and wanting to control me. And then engendering all that part of me, literally, and possibly you, who wants to resist and then gets angry and... It's all a matter of naturalistic selection and survival of the fittest, fight or flight sort of things that animals do. He did that so that he could put us on the right side of the Jordan and give us the land. But the land wasn't to be conquered simply through dominance and power. Now that we've got it, we're going to never give it up. We're never going to relinquish it. It was to be taken, inhabited as with a gift that God gave is this opportunity to change the world. To move from the bondage of that immature human thought. Yes, agency, independence, autonomy, all of that's good. You have to do that. But you have to then, at some point, give it all back to not only others, but God. The two great commandments. But it starts with, love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then others, as you love yourself. Because if you don't do that, all you're going to do is fight. (laughs) So what does this got to do with Philemon? It's got everything to do with Philemon. I don't know that Philemon was evil. Obviously, they were having church in his house. Uh, I believe the Apostle Paul was sincere in all of the complimentary things that he was saying about Philemon. He was also, I believe, sincere in giving the choice, conferring the choice of what to do with Onesimus to Philemon. Because Philemon, in that cultural way, owned him. But that was only materially. 
But if Philemon really had gotten the message of Jesus Christ, if Philemon had gotten the message of Paul, the Apostle Paul, even as the Apostle Paul, Saul to Paul, Pharisee among Pharisees to now ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in that demonstration of Christ-like servitude and servanthood as he was bound to the gospel. If Philemon had received that, then when he received in that choice, Paul was affording him, would then receive Philemon. Not Philemon, but Onesimus. Philemon would receive Onesimus. He would do that in that same way. Not as a master. Maybe it was positionally so because you can't escape that. That's just part of the natural order. But it's not part of the true supernatural order that is God. The spiritual dimension. And it could be construed a bit as love. There's a certain degree of protection all parents afford their children because their children are not able to do it for themselves. And thus, parents are in that way masters of their child. But a good parent releases their child because it's not about serving the parent It's about doing that to serve the child. God did that for the Hebrew people to give them the promise. He does that for us so that we once again might cooperate out of the carnal dimension, take possession of our psychology, our emotions, make that paradigm shift from it's all about serving me to serving others in that same way that we're called to be adults. And certainly, as Jesus did come to this world, he could have at any one point, place, or time, because he was God's son and had all that resource available to him, attempt to use that to establish the end of why God sent him, not only salvation, but for the sake of what would remain of the material world and culture and humans until he would come again, the second coming of Jesus. He didn't. Or he did, but what he did was he resisted the temptation. That's the temptation. It's control or be controlled. We start with that, but to really go from lamb to lion, you have to begin with the other, which is it's not about me. If Philemon would receive Anisimus in that way, then Anisimus would not be a slave. Philemon would be just as much then a servant as Anisimus. There would be an order to things, which is, again, paying homage to the natural order. It's there. You can't escape it. But if we're all with that spirit of servitude and servanthood, again, the suffering, willing to be the suffering servant as Christ was, then we won't go around killing each other. There will still be those out there like that, and you'll be subject to that, even as Jesus was when he was sent by God to affect this outcome. But laying down your life for another is the only way that we get to the kingdom, not only of heaven, which is, is really your, your first gift, but we then begin to see it 
when it comes to others, numbers again, in terms of the kingdom of God until the second coming of Christ. And even as the book of Revelation might present it, I'm not sure that it all ends there. I don't know what that idea of natural selection and the natural order of things, I'm not sure what the new creature we will become will be like. I'm not sure it will be human, but it will have some semblance because, as I was trying to explain earlier, you can't separate that from our material dimension. It's there. It's just part of the Old Testament law, laws, rules. And it is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and there's some degree of dominance and submission, just as with parents and their children. We just can't escape. But when we become adults and we have this opportunity to then put away childish things or thinking to move beyond simply being an animal, we should. I think Philemon was just that. He was at a point where Paul wasn't calling him out on it. He was just, I think, reminding him, but just... Talking in these terms, as with the letter, would he receive Onesimus as Paul had received him? As a brother, as his own bowels? That can't be it. You can't make it any more personal than he's just like me and you. He's not a slave. Philemon, remember that. God doesn't see us as slaves, but we have to serve. There is a hierarchy. There is a way in a natural sort of sense that we have to follow. It's the way the world, the natural world works. That's the way God has chosen to order it. But we're freed from the bondage of living our life in those terms because we can now, in Christ Jesus, understand the fullness of that so that we then might release the power of the Holy Spirit in us to the end that we would not be afraid of whatever inevitability (laughs) that might bring Somebody's going to control you. You cannot escape that. You can curse the concept of slavery, but you can't curse the concept of servitude. You, if you accept natural selection, evolution, Darwinian, Darwinian theory, science, then you have to accept the only way out of that, and that's Old Testament. The only way out of that, though, is to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior or we're going to kill each other. And one day, humans are going to be subject to the same principle. We're not going, evolution is going to take us out. But we don't, as divine souls, as the divine nature, we don't die. We just change shape and form. That's also science, too. It's law of physics. Energies neither created nor destroyed changes shape and form. Science is right, but science is wrong if that is the end. Because all it's going to do, as with humanism and humanity, if you don't accept Jesus, example, as Lord and Savior, gospel, promises of God manifest in the resurrection of Christ in that same person. You're not going to do that with each other. Personal dimension, you're going to do that with each other and we're going to kill each other. (laughs) We don't have to do that out of evil kills evil. I said that earlier. God doesn't kill anybody. He is not the God of death. He's the God of life. But he can't save you from yourself if the most important thing to being human is the choice. 
Because the way he's created us is the choice to lay down our life for another. To follow Jesus. We have to choose Jesus to be saved. If you don't, you're going to kill yourself and you're going to kill others. It's what, again, war is all about. But Philemon, I believe, had gotten the message. Paul was just reminding him. Onesimus was choosing to serve Paul because Paul didn't see him as a slave. Onesimus was a person, not just an object. Onesimus was more than just purposeful or profitable in the sense of what Paul could get out of him. Onesimus was treating Paul like Paul was treating him. Colossae. Colossians, the church, the book of Colossians. That's where Philemon was at. That's where Onesimus was from. That's why they were holding church in Philemon's house. Paul knew there had been a conversion and Onesimus was going to come back with a new attitude. He wasn't going to run away. He wasn't going to take whatever he could. He wasn't going to steal it. He wasn't going to go down that path, the survival of the fittest, kill or be killed. He wasn't going to somehow escape slavery so he could become the master. That doesn't work. That's what we're trying to do. Unfortunately, I think more often than not in our culture, we think the only answer is, well, kill the master so that the slave... No, don't kill anybody. You can't kill anyone. We have to work together. We have to do it out of servitude. But when Onesimus comes back, presuming he makes it back, Paul wanted Philemon to know, Onesimus has gotten this. How do I know? Because we've got this going between he and I. Just like, Philemon, you've got it going between me and you. Just like, I've got it going, the Apostle Paul, with the church at Colossae, Colossians. Just like, I've got it going with Jesus. (laughs) Just like Jesus had it going with everyone who would receive him as Lord and Savior and change the mindset, accept him, accept that suffering servant attitude, put it on the mind of Christ, know that the word of God was established in the way old and new covenants For this very purpose, so that we would somewhere between, we could continue to live by this naturalistic, evolutionary, survival of the fittest. Or we can then, in understanding, coming to a true state of being awakened, realize you don't win by killing people. You don't win by dominating people. You don't win by, because you were a slave, now you have rights to be a master. If there's any reparation, it's the reparation we receive in Jesus Christ. Which means once you get it, you're going to give it all back. Not so that the masters can continue to control, but so that we can, in the right way, God's way, eliminate evil. But the moment that you resort to elimination of what you perceive to be evil, somebody else controlling you, you've become the master. You're controlling them and treating them like slaves. That does not work. 
The only thing that works is to understand that God is our master, so is Christ. We're in that position of submission and each other, or we're going to fight, or we're going to resort to dominance, or we're going to, again, kill each other. The Apostle Paul starts this letter with Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church in thy house. Whose house? Philemon's house. Grace to you and peace. That's what you get when you don't fight with each other. That's what you get when you put away or aside these evil thoughts that are of the devil, of our animalistic beast nature. By submitting ourselves, by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and allowing the true nature, (laughs) divine nature, the Holy Spirit to manifest himself. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a two-way proposition. You can have it without anyone else. It's a lonely existence. I don't know that you can live indefinitely in human dimension without love from another. But I know that even as with the book of Revelation and John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, which was a somewhat lonely time in his life, he had to find somebody to talk to and he had to find somebody to love on and receive. And I think in that period when he was isolated, he had plenty of time to reflect. I, I know that John was the beloved. I know that when Jesus was here, he did the same thing the Apostle Paul was exampling and testifying to. He loved his disciples. He loved other disciples, his fellow disciples, laborers. He loved Jesus, and Jesus loved him. But as Jesus was taken up, crucified, and then the church, the disciples were being Pray or had become prey to all of those that were still animalistic and living in that master slave sort of dimension. And even so, the Hebrew people were not liberated immediately, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, thus saith the Lord. John had time to really understand what that love was about. And in that, began to realize. This is what it's all about. What we had been given, what liberation, what freedom from bondage, what we have chosen to receive, accept, and abide in, was not for the sake of saving us, necessarily, only, but even so, as we are saved by it, if we don't practice what we preach, there is no salvation. Paul was just practicing what he preached. He was just reminding Philemon to practice what he preached. 
And with that, Onesimus was the example of someone who chose to stop the slavery as a slave by now being a servant. But masters stop the slavery by being a servant because you only have one master, and that's God. But aren't we glad, thankful, joyful that God doesn't treat us like slaves and serves us as with we love because he first loved us and all that he's given us so that we might then love others as we've come to understand how to love ourselves rightly in him and Jesus Christ? Aren't we glad, joyful, that God doesn't treat us that way? That's my encouragement to you today on the podcast, to love one another. That's how we grow. That's how we nurture one another in the Spirit. That's how His love, God's love, fruit of the Spirit, not only heals our soul, the mortal, the fallen, restores, <laughs> gives us the power to love others in that same way, but is the basis of not only our salvation, but really the evangelism. But if you can't do that, <laughs> we'll start with yourself. You're probably... I don't know. It's hard to say. There's two great commandments. You have to do the second to establish the first, or at least just in the establishment that you've accomplished the first. But if you only do the first, you disqualify yourself in that same way. But if you don't understand the first, which is, again, the intention of the podcast, so that you will then receive... The full gift of the Holy Spirit, full spirit operation, Holy Spirit operation. You're probably not ever going to get to a place logistically of seeing the second coming of Jesus in material terms. I know that as you've received him, should you have, my hope would be you have. And if there's anyone out there in podcast world who hasn't, this is your chance. Just accept Jesus as we've tried to, in what words I could come up with, inadequate words, by the way, I can't capture his full glory, or the glory of the Lord as manifest in Christ to his fullness. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. But once you do that, then we receive that confirmation. The Holy Spirit is restored or given mastery of our psychology, our individual, our personal, our ego, our human, <laughs> our selfish, our self-serving motives. But if we hope to see then even greater manifestation on a cultural level, you have to love others as you love yourself or it doesn't work. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You're a servant. That's Jesus. Isaiah prophesied that. It's God's intentions, God's intention all along. The Hebrew people were picked to serve the world, not the other way around. We not only <laughs> preach that, we try to live that. It's not only a thesis, it is a truth. It is a fact because God has already established it. If you don't love, do the two great commandments as God has 
first gave to Moses in 10 and Jesus in the 2. If you don't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit and others as you love yourself, you're not, it's not going to work. That's what we try to teach. It's what we try to demonstrate in counseling. Come see us. That's what we're going to do. And it's good for whatever ails you, not only psychologically, not only emotionally, but I believe physical healing comes about through that same mechanism. You get the love of God flowing through your body and things change. Things are restored. Not only are you in spiritual dimension already resurrected physically while you're still here, I do believe there's that level of healing. And then one day, you will have a new body, a resurrected body in Jesus Christ. And be part of God's continued intention to save the world from just simple, simplistic, simple kind of animalistic Kind of thinking, kill or be killed, that's no way to live life. Master slave, that's wrong. Serving one another. Servant master, that's right. But that's what we're going to teach. And that's what we teach when folks come see us. Should you want to get a hold of us, you can reach us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, covenantsonline.com. You can find us on Facebook at Covenants, or you can call us. 304-528-9220. And you can come back to the next podcast of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Until we get a chance to meet again, God bless.